When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hempresent. Our radio resident hempo-sapien Vivian McPeak will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hempresent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to Hemp Present, a weekly radio show where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. Seeking to defeat prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal risk takers, movers, shakers, and history makers of the cannabis industry, culture, and reform movement, and beyond. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak, and I'm the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis policy reform event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, celebrating its 25th year and found at hempfest.org. I'm also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing, also found at hempfest.org. Transmitting from a hempcrete fortified bunker under a ramshackle reefer radio warren at an undisclosed location deep within the rumbling bowels of underground Seattle, my goal is to spread the green flame of 420 truth in 30-minute increments. Today's guest on Hemp present is independent journalist, author, and musician Mark Taylor Canfield. While Mark will be joining me in about 120 seconds of stoner brain salad, genetic studies have revealed that primates diverged from other mammals somewhere around 85 million years ago. Humans and biped ancestors separated from chimpanzees about 7.5 million years ago. The time range for the evolution of language is reported to extend from the phylogenetic divergence of Homo around one and a half million years ago from Pan, five to six million years ago, to the emergence of full behavioral modernity some 150 to 50,000 years ago. That's when the development of symbolic culture, language, and specialized lithic technology happened. The emergence of actual civilization came with the agricultural revolution of about 8,000 to 5,000 years before the birth of Christ. Stay with me because I'm going somewhere. In 1215 AD, the Magna Carta is signed. It will be later regarded as the cornerstone of liberty in England, greatly influencing the 1791 First Amendment of the U.S. Bill of Rights, guaranteeing four freedoms, that of religion, speech, the press, and the right to assemble. That one parchment document made incalculable 
unfettered speech possible, creating the conduit through which the concept that oral and recorded speech are sacred has been marketed to the world, changing the human experience and literally allowing our species to fly. It took us 85 million years from crouching cold, wet, filthy, and naked in dank stone caves to where we are today to fully be able to exploit the collectively embraced ideals, values, and principles of freedom of speech, which this very podcast relies upon for its existential security, as do events like Seattle Hemp Fest. The sacrifice, brutality, and justice that millions of human lifetimes experienced for millions of years were required for us to live in this world that we live in today in its relative comfort and freedom. Yet according to recent reports in this supposed information age, governments, political institutions, powerful corporations, fundamentalist theocracies, and organized crime have increasingly repressed the people's right to advance their opinion and expose acts of corruption, violence, and other human rights violations. Freedom of expression has registered a decline globally, and as of 2015, it hit its lowest point in over a decade, where only an estimated 13% or one in seven people in the world today enjoy freedom of press. One in seven people, according to Freedom House, a nonpartisan government-funded NGO that conducts research on human rights. Latin America, Mexico, Honduras, Argentina, India, China, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, among others, are free speech deserts where the wrong words about politics, religion, or lifestyle can lead to the end of a rope, summary execution by firing squad, or the swift separation of head and body. We should all be supporting independent media and the events, organizations, institutions, publications, and broadcasts that support, defend, and fight to preserve and maintain freedom of speech. Nothing is more sacred or essential for a free society. And someone who's walking, talking, free speech factory is my guest today. Mark Taylor Canfield has blogged and published articles at HuffingtonPost.com, DailyCoast.com, Truthout.org, Alternate.org, etc. His articles and news reports have been published by the Seattle Times, Washington Free Press, Counterpunch, among many. Mark's a frequent contributor to national media programs such as the Tom Hartman program on Free Speech TV, one of my favorites, Mike Malloy Show, Jeff Santo Show, Norman Goldman, and others. Mark Taylor Canfield's YouTube channel is called MTC TV Media. He served as a reporter at KBCS and is a former member of the International Steering Committee at Free Speech Radio News, Pacifica Radio Network. And he's joined me today on Hemp Present Hotline at our massive virtual studio complex. Welcome, Mark, to Cannabis Radio. Hey, Vivian. It's so good to have this chance to talk to you about an issue that really needs more focus from journalists around the country. And I also wanted to say that I'm really glad to live in the Northwest where cannabis culture has been such a major influence on the music, the art, and the politics here. It's really great to be sort of on the cutting edge of that issue, which you've been for years, you know, in a uh, part of the country where it's the use of cannabis has been accepted for many, many years. So it's just sort of tradition here. Well, thank you, Mark, so much. And I just want to extend that right back at you saying I'm eager to have an opportunity to talk about progressive politics as well. You are about as formed on national, regional progressive politics as anyone I can think of. I want to get to many subjects, including our current political surrealism. But first, how did you get involved in all this? Where did you get your progressive DNA from? What's your story in a nutshell? I remember when I was a kid in high school, I got really upset with some things that were going on in Central America. And I saw this film, a Costa Gravas film, with Sissy Spacek, actually, which is called Missing. And it really shocked me. I was really moved by that film. So I wrote an editorial to my local small town daily paper, probably weekly paper, I don't know, probably a daily paper at that point, actually. And they published it. So that was my first thought about, wow, you know, how to use media or writing letters to the editor as a way of, of expressing yourself. And then 
in Seattle in 1999, there was major mass demonstrations against the World Trade Organization. And at that time, there was a independent media center set up in Seattle where a lot of citizen journalists would come in and they would hand you a camera and show you how to operate it and say, get out there on the street and cover something and bring it back and we'll put it up on the website. So it was an effort to sort of bypass the corporate media and all of these events. And so the Seattle Independent Media Center actually became a model for hundreds of websites around the world after that. But it was another good start for a journalist. I remember one of my first stories was covering a protest against the Law Enforcement Intelligence Unit Conference that was happening in Seattle, the LEIU. And there were flashbang grenades going off in the streets, and it seemed like the WTO again. And the next thing I knew, I was on Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman talking about what was happening on the streets in Seattle. And then she became a major influence in my life. So I think she's probably the reason, actually, that I am a journalist, Amy Goodman, just an incredibly authentic, courageous person. And she was here in Seattle just a few days ago, speaking at Town Hall and reminded us as journalists, our job is not to back down. So I'm taking that to heart because... It is a part of my job sometimes where law enforcement or other authorities try to back you down or threaten you with arrest or use tear gas or pepper spray or whatever. But yeah, she's a major influence too. So since then, and then the Occupy Wall Street movement, I was on the Seattle, the Occupy Seattle media team. So I was an activist, but I was experimenting with media and helping sort of spread the word around the country through live streaming and online internet social networks. And after that, I decided I'm just going to become a serious journalist and take this on as a mission. And so it it has been that way ever since, especially issues of freedom of the press and very important issue to me. I was just listening to Amy Goodman uh, minutes ago with Bill Radke, basically calling it all out. Mark, there's so much going on right now from Kai activists to fractivists, Black Lives Matter, democracy awakening, Uh, demanding economic equality and fossil-free energy, Bernie Sanders single-handedly activating a progressive rebellion, breaking fundraising records, and he remained a 75-year-old Jewish socialist the entire time. It feels like a high-definition version of the 1960s on Cappuccino. To what extent has Bernie Sanders become the figurehead of the Occupy movement and beyond, which formally touted its leaderlessness as kind of a bragging right? Amy Goodman addressed that on stage at Town Hall the other night when she said that this has never been a leaderless movement. It's been a leaderful movement. But I'm glad that you made that connection because it is something that's lacking in the coverage of this current, what I call a pro-democracy movement. I'm a contributing editor and reporter at Democracy Watch News, and our main mission is to cover pro-democracy movements around the world. Well, in the United States, the Democracy Spring events that happened in Washington, D.C., And the Bernie Sanders campaign have been two elements of this major global movement that's going on. And so as a journalist, I find myself reporting on it a lot. And the Bernie Sanders phenomenon is way beyond the Democratic Party, first of all. So people need to understand that. And he is traditionally an independent socialist. So I think he represents something much bigger than even electoral politics in the United States. He represents the future. I've written about that several places where... I just really think that this is a pro-democracy movement taking shape, and you mentioned some of the other influences, but the fact that you connected the Occupy Wall Street movement to Bernie Sanders is something that usually gets lost in the mix in any of the coverage of this. And so I appreciate you mentioning that because a lot of this platform does come straight out of the Occupy Wall Street movement. And at that time, there was a conscious effort 
not to run political candidates or get involved in the political process because people considered it very corrupt. But Bernie Sanders has proven that you can run for president, raise a lot of money from individuals who believe in cause for an authentic reason. Besides, you know, trying to lobby you because they're a major corporation, he's avoided a lot of the corruption and corporate funding that happens in major election campaigns in the United States. So it's really refreshing and it's definitely a part of a larger picture of all these other movements that have been coming together over the last year or so. Actually, there are uprisings happening in different parts of the world that Americans probably are not very aware of, but it is another democracy spring taking shape. Mark, NPR and other left-leaning independent media institutions have seemed kind of wary of covering pot politics. I don't know if they're sensitive to dismissive cultural associations, characterizations, or what it is, but, but have you noticed that? I mean, it just seems like a lack of reporting. I mean, you kind of touched it earlier about the whole pot movement thing uh, when they seem to gravitate towards everything else progressive. What do you think is behind that? Well, there are s- several different factors. I, I often say that you know it, it's a story that has legs. Legalization especially is a story that has legs, and in the world of journalism, that means that it's not going to go away. It's a perennial issue that more and more states are taking on. There will be more and more states that pass decriminalization and ultimately legalization. And, you know, including already, you know, our, the District of Columbia, the nation's capital. So much like marriage equality, the $15 an hour minimum wage and other issues, it's not going to go away. GMO labeling is another issue I would put in that category where regardless of how many times Monsanto is able to fund the, the opposition and defeat it as a statewide initiative, it's not going to go away. These issues are going to keep coming back. So some of the censorship comes from self-censorship. And I can tell you that as a journalist, you know, I've lived in Seattle a while and I went to the Evergreen State College and I've lived in parts of the country where cannabis culture is very predominant. And so when I became a very serious headline news journalist and started freelancing for a lot of major outlets, I did not choose marijuana issues as my main focus. And that was conscious because at the time it was not legal, not even in my own state. So I actually personally did not really want to be known as the stoned marijuana guy reporting on the the news. Now things have changed to where reporters are living in states where it's completely legal. And I think Washington State is a prime example of that. I don't think that we should hide our cannabis culture here, whether you're a journalist or a politician or whatever. It's part of our culture. I am speaking with Mark Taylor Canfield on Hempresent on Cannabis Radio. We're going to take a quick pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws here. Word from our sponsors and come right back, so don't go anywhere. Time to roll out for the people that let us Hempresent. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Dr. Dagger, hurry. Its temperature is shooting past 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, more flavor. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. 
Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be. The Boober way. Tommy Chong is ready to cut through the smoke and change the tone of Tilk Radio. You're going to be a... Great granddad. Pretty cool. <laughs> Morgan is Ray Dawn's son. Uh, Morgan and his wife, Tracy, they've been trying to have a baby for quite some time. <laughs> Did you hear what I said to Morgan? What? Do you know who the father is? <laughs> <laughs> the Tommy Chung Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with Mark Taylor Canfield. Mark, we have all collectively awoken to a grotesque caricature of our former world, one where Donald Trump has secured the nomination of a major party. On the flip side, the multimillionaire Democratic matriarch Hillary Clinton has likely clinched the Democratic nomination. Sanders won the Washington State caucuses with 73% of the vote, getting a majority of the delegates in every county, but Clinton has apparently received a disproportional percentage of superdelegates in our state. Nonetheless, as a result, Senators Maria Cantwell, Patty Murray, as well as Governor Jansley and Congressman Jim McDermott, all being urged to change their votes and endorse Sanders. Is there a growing movement for the Democrats to scrap the superdelegate system entirely? And how ugly do you think this fight's going to get? It's already ugly. Some of the comments that I've gotten on my Daily Coast article, which kind of went viral about the arrest of a Bernie Sanders delegate at Jim McDermott's office, his congressional office in Seattle, some of the comments from the Hillary Clinton campaign supporters have been really, really nasty. I mean, they're starting to sound like Trump followers. So that's been shocking to me just to see this sort of disintegration of trust within the Democratic Party. And I know that the corporate wing of the Democratic Party and their endorsers in the media are going to continue to try to spin this as a Hillary Clinton election. She's not really the news story. Bernie Sanders is the news story. And he represents a split in the Democratic Party that my advice, you know, to the Democratic leadership is you should wake up, see what the future of this country is and get in line with that progressive element because they all, including, unfortunately, McDermott now, run the risk of being seen as representing the corporate wing of the Democratic Party and the old guard. That's not going to fly in Washington state. You might be able to pull that off in other states around the country, but not Washington state where Bernie Sanders won 73 percent of the delegates. There is an uprising within the Democratic Party. All of these superdelegates are being challenged in primaries by pro-Bernie Sanders candidates. So their safe seats are over. Jim McDermott is retiring and Premia Jayapal will probably win his seat. And she is a long time Bernie Sanders endorser and much more outspoken and calls herself a progressive fighter. So she's much more outspoken than most of the congressional delegation in Washington state. And that is the future of the Democratic Party in Washington state, whether the leadership and the DNC want to drag their heels across the rest of the country and try to slow down this this uprising and this revolution within their own party remains to be seen. But I, I would give I would advise them to respect the new influx of energy into the party and really, you know, take advantage of this amazing opportunity to change the party and lead the country somewhere to a better future. I mean, it's time. You're a routine guest of Tom Hartman's. Tom Hartman's a major media hero of mine. I think he's one of the most decent, informed, and knowledgeable people in the progressive media right now. Do you know Tom? How did you get hooked up with him? Did you just start calling into the show? 
Yeah, I had, when I was doing Occupy Seattle Media, I would often call into these shows and then they would ask me, you know, please call us back with updates, you know, and let us know what's going on because Seattle was one of those encampments that lasted quite a while at Westlake Park in downtown Seattle and then at Seattle Central Community College. And so they were interested in this ongoing story. So I just found myself sort of reporting regularly to these programs. And also on on May Day, I remember talking to Tom Hartman on May Day and Mike Malloy and some of these folks who had been progressives on these national radio networks, which had been dismantled at that point by folks like Clear Channel that bought up 880 radio stations. Yeah, Cumulus spot 330. So Air America went off the air, and, and Seattle lost its progressive AM talk station. So did Portland. So Seattle, we got a sports station instead. And so that whole system of distribution of media has been dismantled. And so we've all been trying to recreate it. And now these people are the pioneers, and most of them are definitely on the right side of the movement and where the the country is headed. So they have this great potential of increasing their audiences. But the, but basically it started very organically where I just was someone on the street that would call into the show. And then the next thing I know, they're asking me to do regular reports. And at some point I just became a reporter. And that's what I do at the Jeff Santos show every Tuesday is I, I just, I'm a reporter. I am a journalist now. And I just report on these movements that are going on across the country and across the world. And Tom is definitely one of my mentors. He has really helped kind of molds where where I'm taking my journalism and my media. And eventually, you know, I mean, I do want to have my own multimedia program and sort of follow following in his footsteps as a model, because I think his idea of combining radio with television, if that's what you want to call it these days, is a good idea. At least, you know, the video and live streaming aspect of what he does is something I'm really interested in pursuing myself. Mark, there's a contingent of kind of left-wing protesters in the Pacific Northwest and elsewhere who routinely dress in black, obscuring their faces with masks and bandanas, a small minority of them, which may carry rocks, clubs, and other forms of street weaponry, supposedly demonstrate how much they dislike police tactics similar to those. I'm curious about your opinion of the effectiveness of that form of activism. Well, I do try to stay objective as a journalist and cover both sides of the issue, but I can tell you that in my latest article at Oxenity, which is a great news site for news from around the world, they had me publish an article, and what I said, it was from the point of view of a Democracy Watch news reporter, what I said at the end was, there are many different arguments, and some of them are very simplistic and not very informed about what's going on on the streets in Seattle on May Day. For, first of all, most Americans don't even know what May Day is about, and it's traditional True. Celtic spring rite origins, and also these uprisings around the world that have traditionally taken place on May Day. But even beyond that, there's a simplistic argument about who's causing all the problem. And one side will say it's the protesters and one side will say it's the police. And what I say in my article is that I blame the media because really it's gotten to the point where the local corporate media in Seattle hypes this event weeks ahead of time. And we always make this joke about, you know, they keep showing the same burning dumpster from WTO process, you know, years ago to just sort of generate this anticipation that there's going to be, is there going to be a riot? Is there going to be a riot? And then the police gear up, and then the mayor has to make a statement about how he's going to protect the city. And I, you know, I think it's almost the media that you really have to look to because they love the visuals of the pepper spray and the tear gas. And let me tell you, it might be great for the producers and owners of these agencies, but for the reporters, it's kind of a drag. You know, when you're trying to cover the story and you're subjected to concussion grenades like I was last year or pepper spray this year, 
But I really do blame the media. I think at least corporate media, they really like this idea of the spectacle that takes place every year. And it's become the running battle of Seattle ever since the WTO. I think there's just been this sentiment in Seattle, which is supposed to be such a progressive liberal place. But when it comes to protesting, the police are always highly militarized and they like to use a lot of so-called less lethal weaponry. And it always results in injuries every year on May Day. And in the past, it's resulted in a pepper spraying of an 85-year-old woman at the Occupy Wall Street protest early rainy who ended up kind of being a national, international star after that because of it. But it's, you know, know, I I don't blame you at all for for holding the media highly responsible for creating the environment and the conditions that creates a lot of this disharmony. But I'm just fascinated by the idea that somebody would encourage an environment of anonymity where the person next to you might be a cop or a fed or anybody for that matter because they're wearing a disguise. You know, it's a system rife for infiltration from provocateurs because all anybody has to do is don a Guy Fox mask and some black clothing and then they wreak havoc and then other people get blamed for it. But I don't disagree with you, bro. I think the media is extremely complicit and that's why we're doing this show. I am talking to Mark Taylor Canfield. We're going to take another quick pause, hear a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back with our final questions from Mark Taylor Canfield. Time to roll out for the people that let us hem present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Northwest Alternative Health, Eugene's premier medical marijuana clinic, is proud to sponsor the Oregon Marijuana Business Conference. Are you prepared for the changes in the recreational and medical marijuana markets? The OMB presents the state's top industry experts, along with over 40 exhibitors, and features a keynote by Dr. Carl Hart. Also, tickets include a celebrity interview and private after-party with the one and only Tommy Chong. Join us Sunday, April 24th at the downtown Eugene Hilton and be a part of Oregon's fastest-growing industry. Check out OregonMBC.com for more details. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com We're back to Hemp Present, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with final questions from Mark Taylor Canfield. Mark, I could talk to you for hours, but we only have time for about a question or so left. How much of a role do you feel the mainstream media has played in creating an atmosphere where a political apprentice like Donald Trump could be allowed to masquerade as a viable, functional, informed presidential candidate without properly being vetted and scrutinized, and Hillary Clinton could be crowned the presumptive nominee before the campaign had really even begun? 
Well, according to Walter Cronkite in his autobiography, The Life of a Reporter, this kind of thing began when the first convention was televised. And he said ever since then, it's been a circus. And the, the media coverage has always been about the horse race and not about the issues. So he thought that American journalism was kind of ruined at that point. And I think we're continuing to see that where Donald Trump gets 23 times more media coverage than Bernie Sanders. And yet the polls show that Bernie Sanders is you know, more popular when it comes to the idea of being president amongst the people. So it doesn't make any sense from a logical point of view. And as a journalist, I am just ashamed. And the United States is ranked 41st in the world, according to Reporters Without Borders, as far as press freedom is concerned. So there right. you go. The media thinks that they can make the decision for us. And that is a huge mistake on the part of any media journalist. Mark, your bio has like a gazillion links and URLs in it. I had to cut your affiliations associations by like 60% from my intro just for time. How do you find time for everything? I mean, HempFest just kicks my ass. I can barely prepare for the show. How do you fit everything in, man? Well, I've been doing a lot of freelancing for years, so that's part of why my bio is so diverse because, you know, I've just been submitting articles here and there. Now I'm getting more and more steady gigs, like with the Jeff Santos show every week, which is a really great show. He's really on the cutting edge of all these issues, too. And then Democracy Watch News has our national press briefing once a week, and we do a, a feed, a news feed. And then I write for the Capitol Hill Times, and I blog at Daily Coast. So if I can keep my week scheduled to a production schedule, then it tends to at least keep me going. I have to admit, though, that I'm also a musician and I love art and music and I'm working on a lot of creative projects and a novel. So I don't sleep much. I just, it's like Amy Goodman said during her speech at town hall, I think I'll take a nap sometime in July. And if you can, you know, keep healthy food coming into your body and get at least enough rest every once in a while to repair yourself, you can keep going. I do see journalists who burn out though. And, and that's something that we all have to try to avoid. And it's an issue that we don't talk about enough because as a journalist, no one ever asks you if you got enough sleep or if you've had a good meal today. They just ask you when you're going to get your story in. And so we don't have a very good union, apparently. <laughs> but, what, it, but I uh, love it. You know, it's a mission, too. So it keeps you going. You know what that's like. Oh, dude. Yes, absolutely, man. And, you know, we've been we've been friends for years. Is there a reason to vote in this presidential election? I mean, what do you what's your just quick we only have a few more minutes. Uh, what, just a quick assessment of what's going on here in American politics. Well, to encapsulate it really quickly, the, as far as the Washington State primary and the Democratic Party is concerned, there's no reason to vote because they're not even going to count the results. As far as the national election, if people really want a Bernie Sanders re political revolution like he and Jill Stein, the presidential candidate for the Greens, are talking about, he should run as an independent. If a president was elected in the United States as an independent, it would throw a monkey wrench into all of these corrupt relationships between corporations and the two major corporate parties. So that's my advice to Bernie Sanders. And I know it's not very popular amongst people in the Democratic Party, but that's the truth. If you really want a political revolution, we need an independent candidate elected president of the United States. And we need independent media very, very strongly. And that's why I really appreciate you, Mark Taylor Canfield. Thank you so much for taking time out to talk with me today. I hope you'll continue to leave no left turn unstone in your defense of that which we hold sacred. Take care, my brother. You too, Vivian. Always good to talk to you and keep up the good work. We love you. How can people find out more about your stuff? You can go to Muckrack, which is a really great website where journalists put their portfolios up. I also have a blog at Daily Coast. And uh, if you want to follow me on Facebook and Twitter, you'll see a lots and lots of stuff because I try to do you know, quick updates on breaking stories. So those are the best places to catch me. I have a YouTube channel, too, with a lot of my media work up there that we're still developing. 
but there's you know hundreds and hundreds of videos, so it'll keep you busy for a while. All right, Mark, thank you so much for being on the show, bro. You take care and be well. You too. Peace out. Peace. Now, I want to get to a weekly feature of Hemp Present on CannabisRadio.com, and that is the quote of the week, and here it is. Quote, the black Black anarchists who have been active on the streets of Oakland and other cities are the cancer of the Occupy movement. That is writer and author Chris Hedges. That concludes this installment of Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. Email me at hemppresent at gmail.com. I'll give you that email again in a few seconds. I also want to thank my power peeps in the control room, Hannah and Brasco, and all the Cannabis Radio sponsors and advertisers. Join me next week for more cannabis confabulation and reefer repartee with some hempy hero on a journey to justice. Because when it comes to prohibition, you have the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours and speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Till then, my friends, stay strong, stand tall, and toke it easy. And don't forget to email me at hempresent at gmail.com. The Hempresent theme song, Take Back the Plane, is performed by Sticker Bush and sung by a much younger version of myself. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana! The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.